chapter 11. The chapter is built entirely around verse 25. So that's when you think of chapter 11. It's a verse that you've heard, and it's probably a verse that you, you've memorized. You could say, Jesus said, I am the resurrection in the life. Though a man live, if he believe or die, though he believe in me, he will live. And that's what Jesus is teaching us in this passage. Now, in reality, this chapter is a story for you. That's the way you should think of it. It's a story for me. Now, it may be that you've got friends that you maybe need to be brought along in the Christian life, and you could share with them like this. This is a story that John has in there, and it's for me, and it's for you, and we need to think of it that way. Now, why do I say that? Look at chapter 11, verse 1. How does it begin? It's just a certain man. There's a certain man, and this certain man is sick. Now, this week's been a pretty typical week. So I've been to the hospital. When I went into the hospital, who did I see? Well, I saw a certain man. I saw a certain woman. The only difference was who they were. But each room was pretty much the same. There were white sheets. There are people in those beds, and all of them have something very much in common with this man in the story, Lazarus. Certain man is sick. Certain man's going to be you. It's going to be me. Um, Last night, the phone rang, John, please pray, pray right now. I've come home. I'd made three phone calls to the house. Walter didn't answer. I should have come home. When I got here to the house, Walter was laying over in his chair. His fingers and hands were cold. His lips were blue, and there was drool coming out of the side of his mouth. And I called 911, and I said, my husband is dead. And I started doing CPR. When they got there, they got the heart going again. They got old Walter down to the emergency room. They got some things going. Um, but in an hour or so, I called back. Well, we're moving him to ICU, and then about 10 minutes, she calls back. You know, I'm not going to let you go to sleep tonight. Walter's gone. The doctor said, his eyes are set. If we turn off this stuff, he's not going to breathe. His heart's not going to work. He's gone, John. He's gone. Walter was probably in his mid-40s when he married Liz. He was a, a Ph.D. professor of art when Liz was 20. <laughs> so now Liz is 66, 
and Walter's that much older. And yesterday was Walter's last day. Now I'm going to tell you, Walter is a certain man. Walter's a certain man. And he's a certain man who, well, came to have a clear faith in Jesus. Now, the first thing I'd want you to see about this is that this certain man is a person that Jesus loves. That's an important issue here. So when you look at chapter 11, verse 3, the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, have sent to the Lord, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, these sisters know Jesus. They know their brother, Lazarus, and they know that Jesus loves Lazarus. So you skip down just a couple of verses. Jesus has said that this sickness has got a purpose in verse 4. But then in verse 5, editorially put it in there by John, it said, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now by not using Mary's name, it creates interest. We know the name. <laughs> but again, it's like a certain man, isn't it? It's like a certain man. It's unnamed. Uh, well, again, it's my name. It's your name. It's a story not merely about us, but it's a story about us as people whom Jesus loves. So you see this here. Well, you scoot way down the chapter and it comes to verse 36, and the Jews there, after they've seen Jesus weep in verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, the Jews were saying, Behold how he, Jesus, loved him, Lazarus. Everybody that knows anything about Jesus and knows anything about this relationship that Jesus has with Lazarus, knows this truth, this reality. Jesus loves Lazarus. Now, I did a funeral about two years ago this September for a gentleman. And this will probably get back to his sister so I'll be in trouble. But his sister is known far and wide in our church for her ability to talk. <laughs> I mean to a lot of talking. Like if she's talking, there's somebody else that's not talking. And that would be you and that would be me. She's talking. She's very concerned about her brother. She said, John, I just want to know that my brother's going to heaven. So I went out to the house years ago, right after I came here. And I got in the car, and we went to get some peach ice cream. 
And on the way, I said, well, tell me. And I called his name, and I said, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. That was it. Got a little further down the road, and I said, well, you ever ask Jesus to come into your life? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I came back, and I got with the sister, and says, you know, I talked to your brother. He's very clear. He believes in Jesus. (laughs) He asked Jesus to come into his life. Well, you know how much that counted for, don't you? <laughs> Not much. So, peach season's kind of long here in this part of Georgia, you know. So, I'm back out there, and we're going to get some more peach ice cream. And um, Now, believe Jesus died for your sin? Yep. Now, I probably had about 16 questions over a number of years. Most of them were like that in one way or another. Some of them were real expansive, like, you know, your sister's really concerned about you, and she just really wants to know that you're going to heaven. And it would be, you know, she just, she's asked me to ask you, you you really do believe in Jesus, don't you? Yep. Well, it came time to do this man's funeral. He has died. Well, I use this passage of scripture. Now, tell me very clearly, what does it say about Jesus' relationship to Lazarus? Jesus what? Lazarus. Tell me. Loves Lazarus. All right, now here is the $64,000 question they used to call say. Tell me one word in the scripture that you know that Lazarus ever said. Can you tell me anything that's ever recorded that Lazarus said, here comes Jesus? (laughs) Or anything like that? No, you're not going to get there. Now you see there's a lot of people in the church today that are suspect of other people in the church today because they can't even say the four spiritual laws. They're not even sure about D. James Kennedy's diagnostic questions from evangelism. And they're just not really sure because they just don't have a lot to say. Well, what do we think about them? Here's a man that has said nothing that we know of. I honestly think that the scriptures are written in a way that this is one of the points that's being emphasized here. I'm not saying that Lazarus was quiet about his faith. I think Lazarus was quiet, period. Just of a disposition. What does it say? Jesus loved Lazarus. Now, I just really want you to see that that's important. 
if you don't love Jesus, that's important too. You have to come to a point to be the beneficiary of the story where you go from not knowing to knowing and from knowing to loving. Now we can call loving having faith, belief, trust, but Christians love their Lord. Christians love their Jesus. Here we have a story for you, and it's a story for me, and it's a story for that person that's in our family or in the house next door or works with us. If we're here today and we really say we have our faith in Jesus, we believe he died for our sins, we believe he paid for them, we need to have a great assurance that we're a person that Jesus loves. Now, this next statement I'd want to make from this passage is this. This is for anybody, a certain person. Could be any of us. But we have to be a, a person that loves Jesus. You're a person that Jesus is willing to die for. That's right here in the text. So when Jesus heard that he was sick, it says in verse 6, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was, and then after this he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now notice he didn't just say, let us go to Judea. He said, let us go to Judea again. He just left Judea, and the reason he left Judea is because the people, the Jews in Judea, were seeking to kill him, to put him to death. So when he says, let's go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Now just think of this. Now one of the commentators that I read said it was something like this. That Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. And he thought, mm-hmm, Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is in Judea. The Jews that are in Judea want to kill me. The computer of Jesus is cycling. What does this mean? And then after a couple of days, his heavenly father puts it in his head and in his heart that this is his heavenly father calling him, not merely the sisters. And it's the heavenly father that wants Jesus to go back to Judea now. And so when Jesus comes to this after two days, he says, let's go. We're going to Judea again. 
the disciples tell him of the danger, Jesus uses a very interesting verse in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. Because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. You know, there's a lot of you who need to ask a question. Are there still not 12 hours in the day for you? Has God called you to stop being a witness? Has Jesus told you you're on a vacation? Has Jesus given you permission to go into permanent retirement? That's what the disciples would be saying to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm called to live my life in the power of God's direction, and I've been given no reprieve from duty. And Jesus is our teacher, and Jesus is our example. And we're not given a kind of a concept of stepping aside from these duties and responsibilities. We have a responsibility to live for Jesus, loving Jesus. Well, Jesus said that he's going to go and he's going to bring Jesus back, or Lazarus back to life. He makes it very clear that Lazarus has died. Then it's very interesting in verse 16. You, you, verse 16 begs a question, and the question is this, where in the world's Peter? Normally, when something like this is going on, the first words that you hear, apart from Jesus' words, are Peter's words. And Peter's usually, like me, got a little something smart to say. But you see, it's the Peter, I don't know, maybe Peter's not there. Doubting Thomas comes out. What? Yeah, there he is, Thomas. He says, let us go, that we may die with him. What do the disciples know? That Jesus is going up to Judea is going to mean his death. Jesus says, knows that these people were just trying to stone him. You come to the end of the chapter, and what do you find is happening? It says that the Jews had made a decision that he should die for the people in verse 50. They take a council together to put Jesus to death. Jesus knows these things. Now, the key thing for us to see is that this is a certain man that Jesus is willing to love. This is a certain person, you and me, for whom Jesus is willing to die. And going up to Lazarus, a certain person, he's showing that he's willing to die for you. He's willing to die for me. Now, we get to 
the central part of the, the letter here, this particular chapter, and we find that Jesus comes and stays outside the village, and immediately Martha comes out, and Martha is coming before the Lord, and she's saying to him that if you'd have been here, I know my brother wouldn't have died. So we need to understand that it's not always God's will, Jesus' desire to be where we want them, where we want him, the way we want him. Now, the promise is that he's with us. But the problem with us is we want him there the way we want him there. That's a real problem. That's not promised to us that he'll be there like that. So Jesus basically begins to have a dialogue with Martha that he's going to be raised from the dead. Now, Martha says, I know on the last day. Can you hear it? Yeah, I got that. I know on the last day, sure. And it it could be coming out like that. I've got faith in the last day, but that's not helping today. I think that's a problem for many of us. We have faith for the last day, but the last day does not seem to impose itself very strongly on today for us. That's a mistake. Well, Jesus goes on and and says, you know, if you believe, you will see great things. And then Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me even shall live even if he dies. I want you to stick with that verse. Last night, my friend Walter Hood died. We used to call him the gangsta professor. He was a hood. So (laughs) he loved that. But he died. Now, if you go to his art gallery, he was an artist. He has... um, a very un-Presbyterian series of murals. And these are the murals of, of Jesus' last days. And most of these murals are like 8 by 10. The Lord's Supper one is um, like 8 by 16. And I think the one of the resurrection is 8 by 16. In each one of them, Jesus is depicted as having a Roman haircut, so it would be short. What is the only thing we know physically about Jesus' features from the book of Revelation? He has white hair. (laughs) So in all these pictures of these murals that Walter had composed, Jesus has white hair. I think, Jesus, I think that what my friend Walter said was saying in his 
murals was this. Jesus is glorified. Jesus is glorified. The Jesus that we see here on trial is glorified. So he put the white hair on all of these things. Walter has lived a life of great faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what's being promised here. Walter's body died last night. Walter is more alive today than he ever was in the days preceding. And there's going to come a point in time when Walter is going to be more alive than any of us have ever experienced life in a resurrection body. Now, Jesus is the one who gives resurrection and life. All right, they come in verse 35. Jesus weeps. Then Jesus is deeply moved. Now, this is an interesting passage to read, beginning at verse 38. There are five times here, five times here, where Jesus' emotional life comes to the surface. He is deeply moved. He groans within himself. He weeps. Again, there's a hymn that we don't sing, and that hymn is, Does Jesus Care? And that song goes, I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Though the days are dreary and the nights grow weary, I know my Savior cares. That theology comes right out of this passage of scripture. Jesus cares. Now, you see this, then the next thing he says in verse 39 is remove the stone. Now, you begin to see here the Martha, the sister of the deceased, says, Lord, by this time there's going to be a stench. She's been dead for four days. Some of the translations would say, his body decayeth. Now, nobody is expecting anything of Lazarus. No one is expecting anything of Jesus in reference to Lazarus. The only expectation is that the presence of Jesus can be a great comfort to Mary and Martha. That's all that's expected here. And so, all of a sudden, in this chapter... Jesus asked for this stone to be removed. And then Jesus said to her this. Now, what's this all about? Now, let's just stop for a minute and say, what is this whole passage about? It's not really about Lazarus. But it's about what's in verse 4 and what's in verse 40. This sickness is not unto death, verse 4, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Verse 40, Jesus says to Martha, Did I not say to you, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? That's what this chapter is about, the glory of God. And so they remove the stone in verse 41, 
Jesus raises his eyes to heaven and in a clear, articulate way, he thanks the Father for hearing him and that he's thankful that the people that are standing there will know and believe that the Father hears whatever the Son asks. And so when he's done with that, he says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I'm not sure how to interpret this at the moment, but in the way I understood the burials of this day, after the arms and the legs and the fingers and all of that had been individually bound, people were then bound like this, so that the arms would have been to the side and wrapped, and the legs would have been wrapped together. Now, is Lazarus, even if he could come back as the incredible Hulk, going to walk out of that tomb? What do you think? No. So when it says Lazarus come forth, there may be a real sense in which the people were there had to bring him out. It says he was bound, that he had a, a rag a cloth delicately laid over his face. And then Jesus gives the command that they should unbind him. He came forth, bound hand and foot with the wrappings, face wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. He's alive. He's alive. Now you begin to think of the witnessing of this. Mary's there, Martha's there, Lazarus is there. The friends of them are there. The Jews from Jerusalem are there. Jesus' followers are there. Probably the twelve are there. There's a lot of people that have witnessed this, this event. It says at the end of the chapter that everybody's believing in him, if not if they're not careful, the whole nation's going to believe in him. A lot of people witness this event. Now, again, if you come to the next chapter, it's only six days before the Passover. Jesus is coming to a meal at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and Mary is going to anoint his head with oil for his burial. So not very long after this event, something else happens. The tomb that Jesus saw helped them to see the tomb that he would see from the inside. And the stone that would have to be moved away, the grave clothes, in every aspect of that, of Jesus, is forecast in this along with Jesus' resurrection. Jesus sees this. Think that after this event, Lazarus probably is a witness to the resurrection, and he's probably a witness since the ascension took place at the Mount of Olives, just a very short distance from Bethany, probably witnessed that as well. But where is this all going? We said it's going to glory. It's about glory. 
Verse 4 and verse 40 is about glory. When Jesus came out of the tomb, after 40 days, he ascended into heaven and he became the Lord of, you know the next word? Hmm? Lord of glory. He became the Lord of glory. And when it says that he returns, that he will return in glory. And those people who are going to be raised are not going to be merely raised to life. Lazarus died. But going to be raised to eternal life. And with the eternal life are not merely going to be raised to eternal life. But are going to be raised to what? Glory. You will see the glory of God. Now. You love Jesus? You will see the glory of God. When you're raised, not like Lazarus, but like Jesus, you will see the glory of God and live with him forever. Let's pray. Now, Father, bless us and help us to see these things in this chapter. Memorize this wonderful verse that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And even if we or a friend dies, if we believe in him, we will live. May that fill each day with a great sense of glory. The glory that is ours today and the glory that will be ours for eternity with Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.